This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to Your In Good Company, an investing podcast striving to disrupt the norms in the finance industry. I'm Maddie, and as always, I am in some very good company with my co-host Sophie. <laughs> hey Mads, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Now, we have a very exciting episode today, but before we jump into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wondery people of the Kula Nation, who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respect to the elders past and present and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. Now, Mads, today we kind of jump into money types and it's exciting because it can help determine how you invest. Yeah, we are going to interview the wonderful Mel Brown and she has this great philosophy on different money types and how understanding how your relationship with money as well as your money story can help guide your investment decisions. We also are going to ask her all about her biggest money mistakes and the lessons that she's learned from those as well as her biggest money wins. And the reason we really want to do that is because I know personally something that really stopped me from investing for a long time was like this pursuit of perfection. You know, I wanted to find the perfect broker and I wanted to find the perfect stocks and it just stopped me from getting involved when really I should have just probably taken that leap a little bit earlier. Yeah, at the end of the day, everyone's going to make mistakes in their investment journey and you just need to learn from them and move on. No one's journey is going to be perfect. So we hope we shine a little bit of light on that today. Do you have any um, investing mistakes to own up to before we get into today's episode? (laughs) Um, Yes, like rushing into like every one of my like first investments. I just bought (laughs) because people told me to. And now I'm like, oh, (laughs) do your research. (laughs) Do you? I do have some good lessons or good mistakes, but I'm going to do a little teaser. You're going to have to wait until later on to hear them in the episode. (laughs) Okay, I'm waiting. I'll listen. (laughs) You'll stick around. (laughs) I'll stick around. Nice. Well, let's get into our chat with Mel. Today, we are joined by the wonderful Melissa Brown. Mel has an impressive career when it comes to money and finance, an ex-accountant, ex-financial advisor, and a serial entrepreneur. These days, Mel is a financial wellness advocate, financial coach, and occasional therapist. Mel's passion lies in helping women become financially empowered with both their finances and their business. She has multiple businesses helping her clients to achieve these goals, including melissabrown.courses, formerly The Money Bar, and The Thinkers, Inc., She is an author of four amazing books and more recently host of her own podcast, What the Finance. So Mel, welcome to your In Good Company. Thanks for having me. So Mel, we start off the podcast in the same way, wanting to get to know you a little bit with some questions. So the first is, what is your morning routine? Um, I'm not a morning person. 
I do not have a winning the morning routine. I think there's this myth that says if you win the morning, you win the day. My routine is about getting through the morning to be able to function. And then I win the middle of the day. So, uh, so it's breakfast and chill. I need to have breakfast and a coffee and not talk to anyone for about 30 minutes, 45 Love minutes. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> and Mel, who would you say influenced you to invest? Um, well, I always wanted to be in charge of my own destiny. That was really important to me. Um, and my dad retired at 53 and we found out afterwards it was part selling a business, part property and part share investing, but we didn't know that at the time. So I think I became interested because I just wanted to know how he did it. Um, unfortunately, we didn't talk about that really. So it was about figuring it out. Mm, Yeah. It's just seeing that someone else is share investing and then trying to work it out for yourself. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And if you could be a stock or company, who would you be and why? It had to be female. So that was really important to me, knowing that there wasn't enough. There's just not enough representation on boards. Uh, So, and I know it's not listed yet, but Canva. I just think that is a rock star company. It's worth a billions of dollars. It's innovative solutions. I just love it. Melanie Perkins is amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one of our um, dream guests, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe a long way off. Keep pestering us. <laughs> we will. <laughs> Wear it down with your relentlessness. <laughs> Persistence is key. <laughs> So, Mel, we wanted to start um, talking to you today about some of your experiences with money. Um, And on your website, you write that the problem is for too long, and this is your words, I stumbled on my own. There wasn't anyone to talk to about it, which is finances and money. And that's because for women particularly, there's an almighty ick factor when it comes to money and finances. So usually when we talk about, you know, this ick factor, we're usually talking about maybe our relationships um, and... (laughs) And and not necessarily yeah. money. <laughs> but how do you think we're kind of tracking in this space? Do you still think that this statement stands or are the times kind of changing a bit? I can see them changing, but there is absolutely still uh, one foot back there. So I think people are feeling more comfortable, but there is still some biases there. There's still the media still treats uh us that conversation a particular way. And I still think there's a gender divide with how the media treats men and women and money. Uh, women are still seen as, as spenders and men as savers. Women are still seen, um, and there's research that backs this up. Uh, there was a research piece done in the States where 93% of people believe that women weren't as good investors, whereas a Warwick Business School study showed that not only did both men and women beat the FTSE index, but women beat the men. So there there are still misconceptions and I do believe that for some people there is still that uncomfortability around talking about money. That whole nice girls don't say they they like it and they don't say they want more of it. Um, but I do think that's busting and I think it's busting particularly among younger people. But I also see it busting in the 40-year-olds who are getting divorces going, crap, I actually need to sort this out now. So I think it's super important, but I think... Yeah, we could do better. I think when we were researching for this podcast and when before we began and we came across this statement that talked about how, um, in general, women are taught that the road to financial empowerment is learning to budget whilst men are taught to invest. And it just struck, it struck such a chord. 
drives me nuts. And it is that, come on, women should be frugal and safe and careful. Whereas guys, come on, let's go. And you see so many parallels between sport, between uh, what we're encouraged to do for professions. So it doesn't surprise me that that is the same message. But it's about recognising it, Matt, exactly like you said, being aware of it and saying, actually, that's not true. So I'm not going to. Um, I'm just not going to cop with it. And I actually wish that we were taught investing at school because then you could be whatever you wanted and the dollars wouldn't come into it so much because, you know, that the dollars were sure they were important that you're earning, but actually you could leverage that with how you invested. So if and I have been asked to actually go back and chat to the girls where we went to school and chat about um, investing and the podcast, and we're so excited because it's one of those things that we're really like, we wish that this was something that we had when we were at school. Yeah, I completely agree. And I love that schools are inviting you back to talk about investment and not just the ducks. You know, sure, there's a place for the ducks to come back. Sure, there's a place for the sporting star. But you're the sort of ones that I want to hear from because you're the one that anyone can relate to, not just the 5% that are going to do brilliantly academically or brilliantly at sport. Mel, in your book, Budgets Don't Work, But This Does, and I love that name, you talk about the importance (laughs) of going beneath the surface to understand your money type in order to improve your overall financial health. So wondering if you can, I guess, first of all, explain the link between understanding your money type and sort of how that translates to your financial health. So I believe that until we figure out who we are, we won't be able to figure out Um, how to invest and how to save and how to deal with money. And sure, you can absolutely have a crack at it and you'll still do okay, but you won't be aware of your strengths and weaknesses. Um, And I liken that to, so money type is really about your nature. Um, And if I explained it in the way that I'm an introvert, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I have my five gold coins by the end of the day with every interaction I've had with people, I've none left. Um, whereas extrovert wakes up with no gold coins and he, they receive them from every interaction. Um, I can be situationally extroverted, but it is such an effort and I need to then go away and retreat and re-energize. So you can force yourself into these money habits or investing habits or spending habits that you think are right, but that aren't necessarily right for you and for how you inherently behave. And so I believe understanding your money types helps you lean into the strengths that you inherently have and leverage them, as well as being aware of and minimizing your money weaknesses. Mm. Now, when you mentioned money types, can you give us some examples of, you know, what you're talking about? I know that you, you outline them a little bit in your book, but for the people listening... So I believe there's four and that most people are a hybrid. So they're, they're more than one. So there's the worker. So the worker is their earnings are the, is what's going to bring their financial success. Uh, they're the sort of people that they're absolutely are working in their day job, but on the weekends, they're, they're finding jobs as well. They can't sit still <laughs> on holidays. They're the ones that need to do all the stuff. Um, and they often are frustrated because they look around and look at people and say, they're not working as hard as I am, but they have more than I do because they're too busy to invest. Uh, so that's the worker. 
Then there's the creator. Uh, so the creator is all about words like manifesting and mantras, uh, the everyday word and uh, imagination and dreaming and vision boards, you know, stuff that I think, oh, God, really, can't you just do it? But it's because I'm not a creator. I don't, I don't have much creator in me, I don't believe. Um, and for them, things like making sure that they're not risking everything on the latest hot stock and keeping them safe and having some perhaps uh, assets that they can't risk is really important. Um, but their their superpower is absolutely their ability to, to imagine and to come up with solutions that we wouldn't come up with. Next one is discerner. So that's something that I am, so I know it very well. <laughs> Probably the most cynical of all the money types. Uh, so I love fantasy, but when people were, everyone was reading the Harry Potter books and watching the movies, I was like, well, I won't be doing that. They can't be that good. And I'll be like that with money as well. If everyone's doing something, I'm not going to want to do it. If you tell me to do something, I'm not going to want to do it. I'm going to want to figure it out for myself. Um, so that can be an absolute hindrance, but my superpower is my ability to strategically think and to outthink, to look around and see what's coming um, and to come up with a whole stack of different strategies. And the reverse of that is paralysis by analysis. Mm. I will not move because I'm so busy coming up with solutions. And the final one is the relator, the most empathetic of the money types. They're the one most likely to rescue, to so to spend their money rescuing and helping others. You'll often find them in the social services sectors um, or in customer service roles. And for them, they're the most at risk of being taken advantage of financially. Uh, but if, and they're, they also, if you say to them, come on, you want to be able to help yourself, they're not going to be excited by that. But if you could show them how to ethically invest or how to invest so that it benefits others, so that there's a social conscience to it, um, or to gather the people that they love around them and say, hey, let's do this together, then they um, will be able to do that. Networking, collaboration, thinking with others and using their network is their superpower. It is a super interesting area to think about in terms of money because, you know, when you do go on the internet or you listen to quite a few resources, there can be set rules in place that do surround money. You know, you get those budgeting yes. rules and you often hear like the 50, what is it, 50, 30? 50, 30, 20, 10. Yeah, oh, 50, that's right, isn't that? That's terrible. 50, 30, 20. Oh, we my should God. all know. 50, 30, 20. I can even pick up on that. That's terrible. I just made it 110%. Okay. It's the creator going, yes. I've got more. Manifest. Manifest that. No, but it's interesting because, you know, we do get, you know, the, we often are exposed to those kind of rules. But really what you're saying is that we need to be thinking about what is true to us and then how we can apply that not only to our necessities, necessarily money story, but even to our investing as well. So Maddie and I wanted to play a little game <laughs> and we know that from listening to some of your podcasts and reading your book that your money story, you know, it comes from a long line of your whole life. <laughs> yeah. But we wanted to give you a little snippet of our lives and our holdings. Oh, and so how, curious. How, okay. how our friends would describe us. And then okay. you can pick what money type I'll try we might and be. figure out what you might be. I love it. Mads, did you want to start? How I think about money is that it's something that will allow me to live my life freely and I and make decisions without financial stress. I'm all for spending money on life experiences, but otherwise I'm pretty frugal and would consider myself quite a good saver. 
My portfolio was about 70% ETFs and then a few companies and a couple of rogue stock tips from friends, but we have since learned that that's not the best way to invest. (laughs) My friends would describe me as highly enthusiastic and I would say my biggest weakness with my investing is that I'm easily bored. What money type am I? (laughs) (laughs) This is a hard one. (laughs) I would suggest you're probably a relatable. Yeah. And it was because you're easily influenced <laughs> and it was, it was a really conservative set. So you were 70% ETF. So I, that immediately struck out a creator for me. Um, if worker, you didn't say, Oh, I was doing this and this and I this. I love it. That so, is the one. Yeah. Soph and I were just yes. chatting before we got, um, started recording <laughs> and I, we thought I would be love a relator. So there you go. Okay. I would say I'm also a pretty good saver. Um, I am good at budgeting the boring things, but I do tend to give it who gives a crap mentality to all my fund spending, which isn't the best (laughs) thing at times. And I have very big money goals for the future. My my portfolio consists mainly of uh, stock picks and I'm very much in like the tech space uh, with very few ETFs, but Maddie is teaching me how to get more into the ETF space. <laughs> my friends describe me and I actually asked them, I got them to text me I love that. Yeah, as hardworking, a bit sporadic and fun. And I would say my biggest money weakness is that I probably jump into things a little too quickly. Oh, you're a hybrid for sure. Okay, nice. Love that. <laughs> so I, I can see worker in there. So I want to say that that is in there, especially that somewhat sporadic, you know, you're pretty focused, and but there is a bit of that. And I I didn't hear words for the creator, but it's the somewhat sporadic. I reckon it's creator potentially or discerner. Mm, interesting. I thought creator a little bit when I read yeah. through, but... Especially your tech hot tips thinks that, for me, suggests more creative. Loves the growth stocks. I love these some tech stocks, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. So Mel, with all of this in mind, do you have any suggestions for how we can kind of translate our understanding of our money type to actually helping us when investing in the stock market? Absolutely. So how, what it is, is it absolutely is figuring out the strengths and the weaknesses of your individual types and your hybrid types. Uh, because when we're stressed, often we'll go to the basement behaviors or the, uh, the things that will cause us to sabotage, but it's figuring out how can I use both of them to really superpower us. Uh, so if you're a worker, you're not going to give time to this potentially. So for you, it might be that an ETF or something that you can set and forget is going to be a great way because you're potentially not going to spend the time doing the stock picking, which is why I think you're creator rather than worker, um, or pay someone else to do it so that it's there and it's being done and you're not having to fuss with it. For a creator, I would gamify it. So I would look at how can I, you know, if I got to this point by here, then I can have this. Or how could I get to 20 grand worth of savings within this period of time? So really gamify it to be interested because creators aren't interested in uh, lack. If you said to them, I want you to go and find 20 grand by saving, they'll go, ooh. (laughs) But if you said go find 20 grand by, you know, go figure out how other than your wage could you find 20 grand, they'd be so incentivized with that. But uh, I would be saying to them, you cannot throw it all in the one stock. And then how can you protect it? I want an, I want a percentage of your stuff in a protective asset. Love Maddie that you laughed. 
Um, Relators are going to be social conscience. So for me, I would be, can you encourage your friends to be interested in stock? Can you, can you start a shares club? Cause you'll be excited when everyone's doing it and you can make it social, but also look for social conscience shares and get excited about it by what you can give back. Um, through your investing and the discerner how we can get rid of paralysis by analysis so a tip that I do is uh, I create systems so and I uh, it's not so much gamifying as creating financial challenges and rules and rewards and stuff so I have a rule that for every dollar I spend on shoes or clothes (laughs) I have to put a dollar in the share market nice that's a great rule yeah, and I'm a dink and I have that propensity to spend too much on pretty things and I want to be sure of my sustainability and my consumption. So I have a lot of money in shares and I have a lot of shoes in my cupboard. So You can do both. <laughs> yeah, everyone's happy. And I've got a friend that does this um, and she's in the last 12 months has amassed 27 grand in shares that she never would have before because she's her question was every time I go to buy something I don't need, I have to put. Mm, that's actually a great rule. Your Instagram's all about shoes, isn't it? So I'm assuming you'd so have. all about shoes. I'm that <laughs> <A bit>. basic <laughs> bitch where I just, I'm sorry, I I'm, I'm really owning it. I like investing, but I like me some shoes. <laughs> No, I think it's a good rule. And I think, you know, understanding your money story, if it can influence, you know, the way you invest, we speak about investing styles. So maybe it really is good to like dig down and work out what will influence you to invest, what will really motivate you to invest. Absolutely. And part of it will be your money type and definitely part of it will be your money story. And there will definitely be people with that nurture side of money story that have believed stories and myths that are simply untrue, particularly around women and investing. And it's about realizing that, recognizing it and realizing it's not true. We are going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back to chat more with Mel. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Something that has become really clear to us since starting this podcast is that we want to get rid of this idea that investing has to be perfect. And that is why today we want to chat to you about some of your biggest investing mistakes and the lessons that you took away from these experiences, as well as some of your biggest wins. So let's just get straight into it. (laughs) Um, What are some of the biggest like money mistakes that you've made or heard about and the lessons that you've taken away from those? I love that you are asking about wins and losses because we don't talk enough about how we suck when it comes to money. Um, And certainly uh, that can often stop people from taking steps. So probably my biggest failure 
uh, my money mistake I made was when I was 33, I divorced my then husband and he's not a bad bloke, but he made a throwaway line to me where he said, um, you're never going to make it on your own. So I cleaned out all of the, the entire divorce settlement I received, plus any money I had in my business or my personal bank. Um, I gave to Opportunity International. So I gave to a charity and set up a trust bank. So lovely thing to do. I wanted to ring them back the next day and say, I need some of that back because I didn't keep money for wages, for super, for taxes, for a rental bond. And I had to then move into a frat house with six friends, uh, which I have to say was probably the most fun 12 months of my life. (laughs) (laughs) At 33, wasn't where I really saw myself being and then had to go back into debt for a couple of years, like less than nothing in order to come back from that. So that was a huge money mistake. And one where I, you know, I was an accountant at the time. I thought I knew money, but I emotionally reacted and huge mistake Mm. as a result. And what was the lesson you took from that? Uh, the lesson I took was that I just needed at that point then to come back and I needed to rely, um, on myself in order to come back. And if I talk to women now that are going through those stressful life situations, I always say to them, get a buddy that you really trust and run every financial decision past them before you do it so that you're not, you know, we, I'm, I'm so that screw you person. I'll just do it. Whereas that's so unhelpful financially (laughs) to do that. And I wished I'd had someone that I trusted enough to run decisions past who could have said, yeah, maybe give half Mm. or maybe put it in a bank for 12 months. And at the end of 12 months, then do it. Um, So that's probably the lesson I took away is is that uh, having time when I'm stressed. I think that also opens up the conversation that we're trying to open up as well. If you've got a female friend that you can t- ask about, or even a male friend, you know, it doesn't really matter, but you know, it still opens up that money conversation, which is what we're trying to achieve. And a good friend will want your best interest at heart. So they're, even if they don't know what to do financially, that at least tell you to press pause or not yet, or yeah, something like that. So that was my first one. Uh, so after I did that, I would abs- I would say that my next money mistake was I just didn't back myself. So I am a discerner. I have bright, shiny object syndrome when it comes to ideas. So in business, I grew my business really quickly. So it was sort of 50% every year, really growing fast. But then there just came a point where I had all these ideas that I would do and then not market them or do and then move on to the other idea. So nothing, it wasn't focused. It wasn't fleshed out well. Um, And I'm really grateful that enough of those ideas went well enough that the business was very successful, but I could have been so much more successful if I'd had less ideas and really focused in and followed them through. Um, And I would say the same with investing as well. So I started, um, investing in shares and property and different things like that, but I'd get bored with it. So I'd invest in shares for a time and then I'd get bored and then I'd do business. I was just all over the place and I wished I'd concentrated um, and focused more. Do you have any specific investing mistakes that you've made? So when I first started to get into shares, uh, exactly, I think one of you said, you know, (laughs) your hot tip from a friend. So I used a broker back in the day because I didn't trust myself. Um, and he was all about mining shares. So back then I didn't have the same issue with mining shares that I did now. 
But that's pretty much all I invested in was mining shares. And then our good friend Julia Gillard <laughs> came along one day with a mining tax. No. <laughs> My shares overnight halved. I was like, they're going so well. Oh, my God, I can't lose. And then halved overnight. And it probably took me a good couple of years to come back to investing in shares again. I was like, oh, that really hurt. Um, but now that was I'm grateful for that mistake because I never that's never going to happen again. I will never go all in on one sector. I will never go in all in one stock. Um, and, I, and I'm more conscious of what's happening in industries and sectors. Yeah, I mentioned earlier about, you know, stock tips from friends. And I mean, I guess I have been fortunate that the one that I think there's been two that I've taken. But my issue is now is like, fortunately, they have done well. But my issue is now that I don't understand why I bought them. And I so I don't know, you know, with these kind of like, you know, smaller stocks, there's probably a point where it's like a good idea to sell maybe. And like, I don't know, because I don't know why I bought it. So I'm now trying to backtrack and like do my research and figure out. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's all the stuff that I should have done at the start. And now, you know, a year later, I'm trying to do it and figure out why I bought it in the first place. And it's, you know, if you trust someone and you've looked at it, you're thinking, yeah, okay, I, I kind of like that. But if, you don't, if you're just relying on trust and you don't understand, yeah, as you say, that's actually super problematic if it's not a long-term hold. Exactly, because it might be a great idea at the time, but there's nothing like it's classic when, you know, I think I mentioned to that friend the other day about this stock and she was like, oh, I sold that ages ago. And I was like, what? Oh, <laughs> I was no. like, Why did you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> so I feel like that was a very good lesson. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And especially for Penny Dreadfuls, they have they have their moments. You know, they're not necessarily the hold stock. Um, they might be a watch and trade stock, and I love them. But she's right. There, there are times where you're like, get out, get out. <laughs> I love that name, Penny Dreadfuls. Are you talking about penny stocks? <laughs> Yeah, penny stocks. Someone said that to me once and it stuck. I was like, oh, penny dreadfuls, but I love them. And any more losses, any other losses you wanted to touch on before we go into the wins? Just not starting early enough. So I didn't really start investing. I would like I bought my own home and did that. Um, but I didn't start investing. I started my own business at 28, um, but investing in property and shares and things like that, probably 35. Um, and I absolutely wish that I'd started a decade earlier. Yeah, that's But by the same token, never too late to start. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess uh, I know people take hope from that from me that I made that stupid decision at 33 and in my 40s, I can now choose to work or not. But the thing that um, people always ask me is how much do I need when I say that? But for me, it's about developing those multiple streams of income so that you don't have to rely on one thing and so that you have choice. So you have a pretty amazing career. So I'm pretty excited to hear. What would you say? (laughs) That you say that to an accountant or ex-accountant. It's like, come on. (laughs) What are three of your biggest like money or investing wins? Um, so definitely business. I have built a lot of my wealth through business. Uh, so my accounting firm, financial advice, which is now financial education and a preschool that I do with a friend. 
Uh, so I've uh, built two of those to seven figures, sold one for seven figures and my uh, financial education business on, on the way. For me, I want that to be eight. So that is a real driver for me and not, you know, I, for me, it's just a, can I do it now rather than the, uh, the need to do it, which is a really beautiful place. But the reason I say that as a win and, and I share those figures is not to blow my own horn, but to, because less than 3% of women will, will own a seven figure business. And I want to do it three times in three different industries to say, Hey, you can do this. It's actually not that difficult. We need to back ourselves as women and, and, and realize we can do this. And certainly for the one I'm doing now, I also want to do it and only work three days a week. So it's not even that we need to work our guts out and have the big teams. So business is definitely um, one of my financial wins. Mm. And that really resonates because, you know, when you're starting out your investing journey, one of the things you do need to think about is why am I doing this? Why would it, why would you want yep. those six, seven, eight figures? And we need those two things, which is the goals and then role models. We need females in the space who have done it to show that it is possible. Yeah, I agree. And it's, you know, it's intimidating in Australia um, to be, to say that because we don't love tall poppies. Um, I am a Western Sydney <laughs> bogan and I remember when I, I'm proud of that. Uh, so when I started to talk about, you know, this is what I want to do and this is the aspirations that I have and writing books and writing for Fairfax and different things and being on uh, telly, I would have people that knew me that would say, oh, you're getting too big for yourself. You know, you just need to settle down. Um, and I had blog posts written about me by female networking groups that I would ring her and say, babe, you know me, what the hell? Uh, so savage. I actually, I was savage. So I've chosen not to have kids. So I live now half my life in the city um, and half my life in the mountains. And I purposefully put myself in bigger ponds and in male ponds, um, ponds like Entrepreneurs Organization and different ones like that, just because I needed to be surrounded by people that were playing a bigger game. And I think seeing it is really important because I had that limiting view of, oh, I didn't go to the right school. I didn't come from the right background. I didn't have the right suburb. I don't think this is going to be for me. And looking at other people, I was like, oh, God, if you can do it, you're not, <laughs> you're not that smart. <laughs> and I say that lovingly because I would say they would say the same thing. Uh, but it's just about backing yourself and realizing we can all do it. Very sound advice. Uh, another win was uh, last year, global, started the global pandemic. I'd, you know, I was uh, teaching the course that I teach, which is the My Financial Adulting Plan. And in that, I open up my uh, shares and I show people how to invest and I explain, well, this is how I invest as a trader um, and this is my super fund and how it invests as a growth strategy. I mean, a, an income strategy. And I think it was, the round was February and it was March, April. And you can say to people, you know, when shares are uh, dropping, they're all on sale and, you know, that's the time to buy. But it's another thing to open up your portfolio when it's a sea of red to say, <laughs> come and listen to me. <laughs> exactly. So that was a win for me because I backed myself and went, nah, screw it. I need to do this. So the women that have been in that group for since then have seen it go from red. They saw me continue to buy despite the fact that everything was going to pot. And that gave them confidence to do it as well. 
And I'm really, I see that as a huge win, not just for me, but for the women that I influenced to do it as well. So that was, because I tell you, I felt sick sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> well, oh. I mean, COVID was such a good test to like really practice what we preach when it comes to investing. Because it's so easy to sit there when everything's all fine and dandy and be like, keep putting money in. It's going to grow 10% returns on average. And then when it's not, it's like, oh my gosh, like now's the time I have to keep going. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And it's that whole past returns are not a prediction of future. You can say, but this is what I did. <laughs> I don't care. What are you doing now? <laughs> so yeah, that I see that as a win, not just because I can, I, I was buying, but because I showed others what I was doing. I showed them not to be scared of it. Cause I did, I said, you know, I don't love this, but I'm not scared of it. I, I trust the market. I this is what a recession looks like. Here's the recessions that we've had over the last 100 years mapped and graphed out, which I was sharing on Instagram as well. This will come back. We just don't know if it's going to be three months or one year or five years. Or, or one years. particular day in April. <laughs> <laughs> one day. I know, bloody hell. But didn't it snap back for us? God. What's coming next is the real yeah. question. <laughs> yeah, when you find someone with their crystal ball, let me know. <laughs> we will. We'll sell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and my final win is probably share trading. So that's something that I've really been playing with the last uh, three to five years. Before it was always a hold strategy. And now I, I actively trade and I really enjoy it. Um, I have times out where I just say, okay, I'm just going to stop for a bit now. I'm doing it. I'm not putting enough thought into it. I'm kind of just being a bit cocky. So I just need to stop and you know, go back to my business and have a break for a bit. And then I come back and I really enjoy it. Well, I think that's the best thing about investing and, and really a message we're trying to get across is that once you actually get your, you know, your foot in the door, you actually, it's so interesting. You really start enjoying it. You, the research process becomes incredible and watching your money grow is always a plus. So, <laughs> And you can start with what you know. I remember when Zero um, floated, had their IPO way back in the day. I felt as accountants that we were insider traders because <laughs> we were going to the conference. We were being, they were showing us their numbers um, and we saw the take ups and the clients loved it. So I, and I never push stuff. And I remember saying to my accountants, come on, like, surely, surely you want to, you, you want to look at this. I think it was 28 bucks wow. back then. Um, and they, and I quite enjoyed, you know, as it grew, I'm like, are you on it yet? And I would send them, uh, they would hate me. I'd send them stuff. Um, but they all have gradually, uh, I love that I influence them to all eventually invest, maybe not in zero, but in an ETF or in something else because they watched it, because they understood it. And it was a mm. stock they got. Mm. So you don't even have to buy it immediately. You can set up a watch list or start to figure out how comfortable you are with a direct stock or an ETF or a managed fund. But there are so many ways to play. At time of recording, zero is at $145. So that's a good one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm pretty happy now. <laughs> and I am not mean. I don't take them and tell them, you know, what they, they could have had because I love that they eventually got in. Well, we always say invest in what you know. So I think that leads us nicely into our next segment, which is the watch list. So each episode, we have been asking our guests to add a stock, company, news, trend, industry, whatever you feel like to our watch list. And the purpose of this is to get us thinking outside the box and broaden our horizons in the investing space. 
but we're not financial advisors. This is purely for educational (laughs) purposes only. Excellent. (laughs) So what are you bringing to our watch list today? So despite me trading a lot of tech stocks at the moment, um, I'm bringing some medical stock, two medical stocks, because my husband uh, is a physiotherapist and he is so not an investor, but I've, and we don't invest together, but I've worked out there is a whole area of expertise that I am lacking in that he has in his head. So I've started researching investing in medical stock by running them past him to say, hey, what do you think of this? Or here's um, the latest research report or here's the economic update or the investor report. Can you let me know what that means? Uh, So two that I'm playing with at the moment are Paradigm Technologies, so it's PAR, and Volpara VHT. So first one repurposes uh, drugs and the second one's about um, breast screenings and breast cancer. That's um, interesting that you say that because VHT was one of the first stocks I bought with my own little research thesis (laughs) back in the day. Oh, I love that. You would have got it for quite a nice price back in the day. (laughs) Well, yeah, because the whole breast screening area really interests me and I remember looking at it and I thought I was a pro, which I wasn't. But interesting. Yeah, oh, certainly it's settled down a lot. So it's really come off uh, probably in the last six months, both of them, which is why they're on back on my watch list for where they currently are now. Well, Mel, before we get to our last question, if anyone wants to know more about you or follow you or check out your financial education resources, where should they head? Uh, well, if you're on Insta, come play at More Money for Shoes. So I give away a lot of. So you're going to say give away shoes? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, never! They're my babies. I always tell people you can't call your business your babies, but I do call my shoes my babies. Uh, or melissabrown.com.au uh, uh, with one L, two S's, and E on the end of Brown. Wonderful. So, Mel, on to our final question then. What would you tell a young Mel starting out on her investment journey? Uh, Start early, uh, invest more regularly and back yourself. So the opposite three things (laughs) to what I did do. It was, I would just go back and say, come on, it's, you know, do it quicker, do it, uh, do it harder and and back yourself because you're intelligent, you can do it, you just need someone to tell you that. Mm. Short and sweet. Very simple. I like it. Thanks so much for joining us today. It was such an insightful chat and we hope that everyone listening has enjoyed it as well. We will keep in touch. Thanks so much for having me. That was fun. That was such a fun chat. She's just a ball of light, isn't she? Lots of Did you say a ball of light? Yeah. Just like <laughs> I love that. Light. <laughs> a ball of light, like the sun. <laughs> Yeah, she's like the sun. I have to say, exactly. I did have a big smile on my face for that whole episode. Loved chatting with Mel. Thank you so much again for joining us. If um, you did enjoy that episode, make sure you subscribe to Your Own Good Company on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any future episodes. And leave us a review if you're enjoying them. If you're not enjoying them, reach out to us personally and we can <laughs> Don't leave us a assist. review if you don't like us, please. <laughs> And also jump onto our Instagram, YIGC podcast. Feel free to jump into our DMs. We do love chatting with you guys. 
I actually got a message from a friend today and she said that she had joined an ETF seminar, a free ETF seminar, and she was learning all about ETFs and she said, doing this because of you and nothing, it made me happier. I love when we get DMs um, from people. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Telling us what they're doing or asking questions, it really does make our day. You can also do the same on our Facebook group, which is Soph. <laughs> YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion yes. Group. You can Facebook. find the link in our Instagram bio or follow us on TikTok at YIGC Podcast. We are getting there with the TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us and we'll chat to you next week. See you then. You're in good company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of You're in Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people together. 